How many people do you think forgot to turn their clocks forward? I bet there's some. <laughs> We're in Genesis chapter 50 this morning. Uh, we'll be looking at uh, the first 21 verses, not quite getting all the way through it. But Joseph, governor of Egypt, uh, has had his father Jacob embalmed, and it is, this has taken 40 days. I guess it's quite a process to embalm like the Egyptians did. But Jacob has made Joseph swear, take me out of Egypt and bury me at Machpelah. It's very important to Jacob that he be buried in the promised land. It's an act of faith by Jacob. According to Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11, he's mentioned by faith he asked to be buried in the promised land. So, an act of faith. But the promises of God are important to Jacob. The older he got, the more important they were to him. And by the time of his death, it's critical for him to have his body in, in the promised land, in the cave that his father grandfather Abraham bought. Jacob has went down to Egypt as an old man, an old Jewish man, but he leaves Egypt in a great funeral procession. That is interesting because we've read where Hebrews and especially shepherds were hated by the Egyptians. But Jacob has risen to a place of status, and he has a royal funeral. And the, it says the servants and the elders of Egypt, plus Jacob and all of his sons and his household, will make the journey back up into Canaan to bury Jacob. So let's read the first 14 verses of chapter 50. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physician, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. Now when the days of mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak to the, in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, my father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Cana. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he has made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as the house of Joseph, his brothers, his father's house, only their little ones, their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. 
And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the morning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is the deep morning of the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mizarim, which is beyond the Jordan. So his sons did for him just as he commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt and his brothers and all who went up with him to bury his father. First thing I notice is the political politeness of Joseph in verse 4. Joseph is governor. He has a lot of authority, but he, he still is polite. And he says, and he goes to Pharaoh's household and he says, speak to Pharaoh for me and tell him, if I have found favor with you, uh, tell Pharaoh my father made me swear to bury him at Machpelah in Canaan. And we read that uh, Jacob had already dug his grave. Now, the cave was a burial cave, and the digging of a grave would mean going in there and chiseling out of the stone a place for the body to lay. When we were in Israel, we saw what is supposedly the tomb of Jesus, and there they have these places in the rock chiseled out for a body to lay. So this is what is meant when they said Jacob dug his grave. Uh, Joseph, he assures Pharaoh, let me go bury Dad. I will come back. Uh, and I understand to a degree the desire of Jacob to be buried in the land of promise. Jacob is not an Egyptian. He's from the land of Canaan. He wants to go back home. Uh, as a young boy... Our family lived in McCullough. You've heard of the metropolis McCullough? It's just south of Birmingham, about 12 miles or so. And we were poor like the families around us, but uh, we didn't realize it as children. <laughs> My mother, she would plant just an enormous garden every spring. And come middle of summer, she would start canning. And she would can, you know, everything. Uh, and we had chickens, and we had chickens for the eggs and for the meat. <laughs> and uh, we had a, a nanny goat for milk. And so we thought everybody lived like that. But as a child, the woods, I didn't say forest. Forest is not what it was. It was the woods. They were my playground. And I... I loved the woods, and I'd go climb trees, play in the streams, and do all that kind of thing. But what that did, it established in me a desire to live in the country. And as I became a young man, I desired to get out in the country, and finally I've been able to do that. And today, on our little farm, we have a patch of woods, and it's got ponds, and it's got streams, for me to play in, and I do play in them. Yesterday, uh, I have bought myself a little Kubota ATV, little all-terrain, go-anywhere type vehicle. 
Talus came over and he begged me for me to take him for a ride in the woods. So I said, okay, Talus, I'll, I'll take you for a ride. And we're going out, and if you've ever been to my place, out behind the old barn, Talus goes, do you see that deer? I go, no. Evidently, we scared up a deer. But we're driving on. We found the deer. He had tried to jump a four-strand barbed wire fence, and he didn't make it. And there he was, laying upside down, one hoof caught up in the fence. And I go, wow. So Talus and I go over and try to free him up. And we managed to get one strand of the barbed wire off his hoof, and he is frailing around. He's scared to death of us, but he's not hurt bad. And, uh, and I said, well, i got to go back up and get a crowbar or wire cutters or something. Come back. About the time we get away from it, he manages to break loose, and he takes off. So my dog is watching all of this. He won't go away. I'm trying to make Moses go away. He wants to see everything that's going on, and he keeps coming back up. I wonder what that dog would have done if I hadn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder about Moses. But anyway, back to Jacob. <laughs> it's, uh, he wants to go back to the promised land. I wanted, ever since I was an adult, I wanted to get out and live in the country, and God has allowed me to do that. And I find it hard to understand why all of you don't want to live out in the country. What is wrong with you people? Lance understands. <laughs> but the local Canaanites have observed this great funeral possession from Egypt that has come into their land. This grievous mourning by the Egyptians, and they're burying a Hebrew. And that's impressive that they, these Egyptians who loathed shepherds and Hebrews, and Jacob is both, they're making a great funeral procession up to uh, the land of Canaan to bury Jacob. So let's pick up in verse 15, and we'll go through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph's brothers, along with Jacob, they have lived almost 20 years in Egypt, in Goshen. 
But now Jacob has died. And his brothers, along with Joseph, they went up and they buried their father. And now we see that the brothers are very fearful that Joseph will take his revenge out on them. In their thinking, Joseph has been good to them because of dad, but now dad is dead. And these brothers, well, they've concocted a story. I don't believe for a moment that, uh, what they said, Jacob <laughs> said, is true. And they go to Joseph and they said, Dad said, forgive us. <laughs> really? <laughs> and they've had time since the burial of Jacob to think about their evil deeds. It takes several weeks to travel from Cana down to Egypt if you're walking. And probably around the evening campfires, they, they have talked to one another, what do you think Joseph is going to do to us now that Dad is gone? These brothers suffer from what many Christians suffer from. The ability not to accept God's grace. We want to earn forgiveness, and God gives it to us. The inability for us to forgive ourselves causes problems upon problems in our life. God first had mercy upon us. And after he had mercy upon us, he gives us grace. Grace, you know the meaning as well as I do, unmerited favor with God. But that comes after God has mercy on us. And we cannot fully understand grace. It's beyond us. The best we can do is to live joyfully in grace, to revel in it. Joseph's brothers, they believe, they fear that Joseph will now take revenge upon them. They cannot believe that Joseph is willing to forgive them of their evil behavior towards him. They sold him into slavery. Now, that would be a hard one to get over. That would be a difficult thing to forgive. But Joseph has forgiven them. But without a doubt, these brothers still feel guilty. Guilt feelings keep our mental and health wards full to overflowing today. The mental health industry, it's a big business, and that industry would go away almost entirely if you could remove guilty feelings. But here's the sad thing about our story. Joseph has forgiven his brothers. And when the messengers come to him from his brothers, and once again they confess their sin and all the evil that they did against him, it saddens Joseph to the point that he weeps. Why can't my brothers believe I've forgiven them? But it's impossible for the brothers to understand and process in their minds and in their heart that Joseph has forgiven them. 
And you know we can identify with that, can't we? All too well. Every religion apart from Christianity, if you look at it, it's man trying to do some type of penitence to gain God's favor. Only in Christianity does God reach out to man. But consider Joseph and his emotions for a moment. Joseph is weeping. But who is he weeping for? I believe Joseph is weeping because his brothers still carried their burden of guilt. And he feels bad for them. And he is extremely sad for them. And thus he weeps. Joseph has tried to comfort his brothers several times. He said to them, do not be afraid. Why would he say that? Because he knows they are afraid. And he repeats that twice in within three verses. Do not be afraid. Because Joseph understands his brothers are afraid. And he's done all he can to convince them that, hey, all is forgiven. But Joseph, he doesn't candy coat their sin. He doesn't make light of their sin. In verse 20 we read, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. That trumps everything, by the way. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God is bigger than what you did to me, my brothers, and he's bigger than my anger or revenge against you, my brothers. God has greater plans for good than any of our evil behavior deserves. Let me say that again. God has greater plans for good for you and I than our evil behavior deserves. God's forgiveness is bigger, it's greater than our ability to sin, and that's hard for us to understand. God is bigger than our sins. It's a position of false pride when a person will say things, well, I can't, I can't accept, believe God would accept me and forgive me of my past. You just don't know my past. Time out. You don't know my God. You don't know how great my God is at forgiving. Joseph, he's attempted to comfort his brothers with the truth. The past sins of his brothers, it haunts them. But it's a non-issue to Joseph. Mercy and grace are tremendous gifts by God to us who believe. Jesus, he suffered the cross and paid the debt for our sins. And now Jesus wants us to enjoy a guilt-free life. But we want to hang on to that guilt, don't we? But there's a catch. For you to have a guilt-free life, you must accept God's forgiveness. And you've got to accept his forgiveness for it to be a factor in your life. 
Now, we all give gifts to one another, to our children, but unless that child opens up that beautifully wrapped present, they haven't received it. It's just a present that sits there. If you take that present and you put it on a shelf or at Christmas time, put it under the tree, you still have not received that present until you've opened it. Now consider, what if your child said to you, look what mom and dad gave me, and they bring out this box that's beautifully wrapped, but they've never opened it. They haven't received it. We would be sad just like Joseph is sad because his brothers have not received the forgiveness that he's given them. Joseph has forgiven his brothers. He's told them repeatedly, do not be afraid, I will take care of you. And he was in a position to take care of them. But until the brothers accept Joseph's love, it just sits there like a present under a tree unopened. To receive God's love, you got to do more than just know about it. You've got to accept it and apply it to your life. Joseph's life has been compared to Christ in the Old Testament. It's a Christ type of life that Joseph lived. And the, the similarities between Joseph and Jesus, they're, they're kind of striking. So let me get you to turn to John chapter 11. In chapter 11, John is out, uh, Jesus rather, is out in the, the wilderness beyond the Jordan River, and he receives word that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, is sick, and he's sick unto death. The sisters, Mary and Martha, want Jesus to come and heal Lazarus. Jesus, upon receiving the news that Lazarus is sick, he stays two more days where he is. And all Jesus is doing is waiting for Lazarus to die. That's what he's doing. We know that Jesus loves his family. He stayed with them throughout his ministry. But Jesus wants to teach Mary and Martha and Lazarus that he is the resurrection. And he's got to make this point. And so he's going to allow Lazarus to die. So let's pick up in John 11. And we'll look at verse, quite a few verses here, 11 through 44. And we find Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. And verse 11, these things he said, and after he said them to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Jesus speaks, uh, it says, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, I like this, Jesus removes any doubt, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. 
Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Word is out that uh, the Jewish elders and leaders are seeking the very life of Jesus, and the disciples know it, and Jesus knows it. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And, whatever, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now it appears here that Martha has grasped the truth of who Jesus is. But let's continue. And when she had said these things, she went to her went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house, comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary repeats Martha's words. They fully believe Jesus could have healed Lazarus had he been there. But to raise him from the dead, raise him from the grave, that's another matter altogether. And Jesus wants Mary and Martha, he wants the disciples to realize he is the resurrection. Therefore, when Jesus saw them weeping and the Jews who, were, who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Why does Jesus weep? He knows full well he is about to call Lazarus from the tomb. He's not weeping, weeping for Lazarus. But I think there's several reasons why Jesus weeps here. Jesus sees the pain that death brings. He weeps. Jesus sees how difficult it is for us to accept that he is the resurrection. And he weeps. In a moment, I believe, Jesus sees all of mankind who must suffer death because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, and he weeps. 
Jesus desperately desires that mankind believe that he is the resurrection. And his remedy, his way of proving is, his solution is for him to die and rise again. In verse 36, then the Jews said, see how Jesus loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaned in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. We have Jesus, and he groans. Once again, he's troubled because men do not understand that he's the resurrection. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who's dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, or he stinks, for he's been dead four days. Just a side note here. In the Jewish culture, you had to be in the grave three days before you were considered legally dead. That's why Jesus lay in the grave Three days. He was legally dead. And then he rose. Verse 40, Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. I read where one commentator said, if Jesus had not a cried out, Lazarus, come forth, everybody in the tombs would have come forth, and you would have had a multitude coming forth. And I believe that. So he singles out, Lazarus, you come forth. <laughs> but how important is it for us to understand resurrection as we near Easter? Here we are. The great hope of Christian everywhere around this world is the truth that Jesus rose from the grave. And he wanted Mary and Martha to understand this. He wanted his disciples to understand. And he wants you and I to understand that he is the resurrection. And when man does not understand that, it causes our Lord to weep. He weeps. Joseph wept because his brothers didn't understand he had forgiven them. Jesus weeps because men do not understand that he is the resurrection. We understand. So we bring joy to the heart of our Lord by simply understand and believing in the resurrection. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.
Father, first of all, we want to thank you for raising your son from the grave. Thank you, Jesus, for having victory over the grave. The grave is not our destination. Our hope is in you, Jesus. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you for giving us life. And Lord, we as your people accept the forgiveness you give us. We accept the fact that you rose from the grave and we rejoice in it, Lord. Thank you so much for giving our lives hope that the world doesn't have. We are truly blessed, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, I would pray for anyone here that has not accepted you, has not opened that gift of forgiveness, has not opened the truth of resurrection in their heart and lives, that you would become real to them. And that you, in your own way, Lord, would show them that you are alive and you have defeated death. I pray for that, Lord. I pray also that you, we as believers would just uh, spread the good word that you are risen and you are alive. So be with us, Lord. Watch over us. Take care of us. And we thank you so much for rising from the grave and defeating death. Thank you, Lord. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.